Live from San Diego, California, we go live to the newsroom with your host for Nick's Nerd. Oh, what's up? Well, hey guys, uh, happy birthday to America yesterday. How about that? Happy 4th of July. You guys celebrate if you're in the States. I know Canada Day was a few days ago for those of you in the great white north. Um, I think there's some other days celebrating independence from the United Kingdom this month as well. Uh, no, how are you guys doing? You guys have a good 4th? I had a good 4th. Uh, did you have a great weekend over the weekend? Any of you guys see Indiana Jones? I did. We're going to talk about that later. And uh, no, it's a, it's a good Good time, if you will. But it is I. I say that all the time. It is I. No, I don't say that all the time. It's me, Nick, your host of Nick's Nerd News. So why don't we, you know, get some housekeeping out of the way, as we always do. Uh, Don't forget to follow us on social media, right? Ooh, changing it up on you guys, doing something different first. (laughs) No, follow us on social media. Just search Nixner News. We're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We're on Threads now. Now that Threads has launched, if you're wondering what the hell is Threads, well, that's Meta's new competitor to Twitter, if you will. Uh, it is it is the Wild West right now, I will say that, as people, people join. Um, we'll see if it lasts. But, you know, while you're also on social media, check out my personal TikTok where I post about the podcast and some other things. That's under the Nick DeFalco if you guys want to follow there. So do not be afraid to uh, peep out the socials, if you will, if you want to creep, uh, anything like that. Also, check out nixnerdnews.com, our lovely website, where you can find links to all of the different podcast hosting places the, the show is on. We're on Spotify, we're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Google Podcasts. We're on iHeartRadio and Amazon Music, too. How about that? Imagine that. Also, if you don't have any of those things, which would be rare or weird if you didn't, I think. I don't know if it's weird, but it'd be, like, rare. You can listen to the show right in the browser. There's an RSS feed. You can listen to the show there. Or, hell, like I said, there's an RSS feed. So if you just want to listen to the show anywhere and not necessarily on the website, you can. Because that's the beauty of an RSS feed. Anyway... I don't want to waste any more time talking about nonsense. Uh, Like I said, we are going to talk about Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. We are going to talk about the last day of the Xbox FTC case. And then I just want to give another appreciation shout out to The Bear. The Bear is one of my new favorite shows. I don't know why I slept on it for so long. The the second season really only dropped like a week and a half ago. Uh, But it's on Hulu, on FX on Hulu. Uh, it's about uh, Jeremy Allen White stars in it, he about a chef that comes home to take over a family restaurant and then converts it into a fancy restaurant. But it's a comedy drama, a dramedy, if you want to call it that. Uh, it's on Hulu. Check it out. Really fun. Uh, with that, I will talk about what's new. How about we do that, huh? Let's talk about the actual nerd news, shall we? You know, you'd think given the holiday there might be uh, not a whole lot of news, but surprisingly that wasn't the case. There actually was quite a bit of news this week in the video game world. But, uh, you know, we're going to get to that. So, I did want to start off. There's rumors swirling about The Sims 5. EA, no surprise here to be honest, EA is apparently going to look at making The Sims 5 a free-to-play game and including monetization. Now, if any game is ripe for monetization, it actually might be The Sims. Just the amount of things they could probably sell to you, just in general, would be staggering. Realistically, it would be staggering. And they could probably make the same kind of money they make on, you know, FIFA, excuse me, EA Sports FC, or on Madden, like Ultimate Team and things like that. So... Don't be surprised if you're a big Sims fan and you end up putting your hand in your pocket for a lot of things when The Sims 5 launches sometime in the future. Uh, we also found out about uh, so what games with gold and PS Plus games are coming to both consoles this month. 
So over on Xbox, Games with Gold, you got Dark Wood and When the Past Was Around. Never heard of either of those games. On PS Plus, Alan Wake Remastered. And if you have never played Alan Wake, either when it first came out on 360 or the remaster when it came out uh, last year, you need to play this game, especially with Alan Wake 2 coming out. Alan Wake is one of the most underappreciated games one of my favorite games from, from the Xbox 360 generation. It is an amazing game. You need to play it. Uh, also, Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War, which is probably one of the worst Call of Duties. Um, and then Ending Extinction Forever. Never heard of this game either, but those are your games available on PS Plus for the month of July. So, how about this? Baldur's Gate 3 is coming out later this year. And it has a PC release date, it has a PlayStation 5 release date, and you're probably wondering why it doesn't have a Xbox release date. Well, the answer is simpler than you might think. It's as simple as they, Larian, the developers, just haven't gotten split screen figured out yet and are working tirelessly with Xbox developers and engineers to make sure they can get it working properly on the console. So Baldur's Gate 3 should launch on Xbox Series X and S, presumably, sometime in the near future. Uh, the Sega boss, the Sega boss, the boss, the head of Sega, I should re-clarify, uh, uh, has come out and, and specified that Sega is not for sale after, uh, not rumors, but it finally came out that, that Microsoft had indeed floated the idea of you know, buying Sega. He did say that they were not for sale, but he did boast a word that a lot of outlets have been using. He boasted that uh, they have a great relationship with Microsoft and Xbox and, and plan to keep it that way in the future. So do expect more Sega titles to come out on the platform. With the official launch of Wolong Final, Final Fallen Dynasty, uh, so it's essentially e exited beta and, and alpha status or whatever you want to call it, Xbox marked the release with a actual jade, like made of the actual rock of the, uh, I guess it's a rock or no, it's a, it's a, um, a jewel. I don't know what you would classify jade as. Let me, um, let me, let me see. I, uh, a mineral, right? It's used for jewelry, ornaments, things like that. They made an actual jade controller. Now, why they would do that is beyond me. I think it's really cool, but it, it like it, they they went to an actual like master jade smith, I think is what they're called. Um, I think it's it's really really cool looking, if you ask me. But again, is it practical? No, not really, because obviously they only made one, and even if they did, it would cost a lot a lot of money. But uh, if you look on Xbox's official YouTube, it's there. It actually goes through the whole process they went through, that the Jade Smith went through to design it and get it working and pieced together. It's actually made of six separate pieces, and he got it to fit literally perfectly together. Um, but yeah, it's probably one of the coolest things I've seen in quite a while. Uh, a new... Saber Interactive is working on a new sports game uh, to... You know, coincide with their like backyard basketball game or court or park bas. I don't even know what the name of it. They're they're making an, a football game. It's called Wild Card Football. Uh, it will be an arcade style game, and Colin Kaepernick is on the cover. I'm not even going to wade into that whole thing because that is not. This is not the place for that. I'm not. But just you can have your own opinions on that. Uh, I am a football fan. I am a fan of the NFL, so I, I can speak somewhat on that situation. I won't, though, because this is not the forum for it. But, you know what? Y'all have fun with with that. Um, Bloober Team, who is famous for making games like The Medium, they made the remaster or remake of Silent Hill. Uh, they're famous for other psychological horror games, horror games in general. Well, they have announced that they plan to move away from making horror games, which is a huge deal for them, and they plan to make games that are more uh, mass market 
So they want to make games that everyone can play. Do I think they'll be able to do it? Yes. Yes, I do. Uh, it is something that should be easy for them. They know how to make games, right? They, they know how to make the right games, and they know how to do um, different things. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if their first non-horror game turns out to be amazing. Uh, we also had the Annapurna, yes, Annapurna, the ones who, you know, produce movies. Uh, they also produce video games. They had a Inter Annapurna Interactive Showcase. Announced a lot of new games and a lot of other news related to gaming. Uh, their first in-house produced, developed game, I should say, Blade Runner 2033 Labyrinth, is going to be coming out sometime in the next year. And it is, uh, I, I don't know, other than that it takes place in 2033, and it fits. It will take place between the two films. Uh, Cocoon, which is a game they showed off, I think, last year, where you can kind of like keep going deeper and deeper into different worlds. It's a little indie game. Uh, that game launches August of this year, and it will be on Game Pass. Uh, Stray, the game that everybody loved last year where you can play as a stray cat, is coming to Xbox on August 10th. Uh, Thirsty Suitors is a new turn-based skateboarding, cooking, and I think dating sim game will come out on Game Pass and several and PS4, PS5, Xbox One, PC, and Switch in November. Lorelei and the Laser Eye, that's a cool, fun name, is a surrealist game with puzzles and mysteries to solve. Uh, Lush Foil Photography Sim is literally right in the name. It is a fully... Cam fully featured camera simulation game. Uh, Tua T is from the Katamari Damacy creators, and it's you play a character who's stuck in a T pose, so like you have your arms stretched out. Uh, Flock is a new game where you literally fly through the skies with a bunch of birds following you, or what look like bird things. Uh, Ghost Bike is a bike race through the afterlife game. Uh, that comes out next year. Um, Mun Dawn is a hand-penciled, which is cool, horror game. Um, I, I don't know. That's available now. Uh, and then Bounty Star is a mech combat base builder farming game. And that is going to release sometime in the future. Storyteller is coming back to Netflix with new content. And they have also, Annapurna has also partnered with Maru Mutu Games and Glass Revolver uh, for new game partnerships as well. So last week we talked about, you know, Jim Ryan talking about in his deposition about how Game Pass isn't profitable. Or it, it, it's, it's not something that uh, helps with the value of games kind of competing with, you know, the whole idea of why Game Pass is not good, or something like Game Pass wouldn't work for Sony or PlayStation. Well, the studio head behind Football Manager, which is Sports Interactive, uh, has a counter-argument to that. He says, quote, Every studio is going to have different opinions on this. Different studios will have different data because different games work well in different situations. For us, it's nothing but positive on all three platforms. The simple fact is Game Pass and Apple Arcade have brought new people to the franchise that never played it before. I'm confident enough in our games to believe we will now have those consumers for a long time, whatever platforms we're on. Fiscally, it makes sense. Creatively, it makes sense. Unquote. Uh, and that is from Miles Jacobson uh, speaking to Eurogamer. And uh, obviously, right, everything's going to be a different situation. Jim Ryan, of course, said, quote, Talk to all the publishers, and they were they unanimously do not like Game Pass because because it is value destructive. Unquote. So look, everyone's going to be different, but there you go. You have one person um, who obviously believes in it. Uh, just going back real quick, Strauss Zelnick, who is the CEO of Take Two, says, "Quote: I still don't think it makes sense, and I believe that it's now becoming obvious that it doesn't make sense." It's just a lost opportunity for the publisher. So I wouldn't want to speak for my friend Phil, but our views remain unchanged, unquote. Which is really funny that he said that because Grand Theft Auto V is back on Game Pass today. So just, just saying. 
they don't believe in it, but they they put their games on it. So it's <laughs> ridiculous, man. The whole idea of Game Pass. I get it. It's a strange thing. I pay for it, and I don't play every single game on it, but I use it for a lot of different games. So, and while cloud is not the biggest feature, and I know a lot of people don't use it, I really only use it when I go to my parents' house, because obviously I'm not going to lug my Xbox back and forth if I'm there hanging out for an extended period of time. They have a nice brand new TV, hook up a controller, I can just pop into some games right away, like, it's not great. I'm not going to sit here and say it's the greatest thing ever, because it's not. There's a lot of latency, um, and part of that is probably because their router is in the worst fucking place on the planet because of how their setup is, but um, it, it it's smooth for the most part, right? I'm not going to sit there and play shooters, because that's, that's just asking for a death wish, but... Like, I can play Forza on there or Dead Cells and things like that and not have an issue if if frame rate drops or quality drops. Like, it's, it's okay. I'm not going to cry, but it's it's not perfect, but it's a thing, and I have that. Um, and then I have some games on PC that I can play because of Game Pass. So, and honestly, I'm probably going to use it a lot more for new releases uh, later this year just because it makes more sense for me to not have to pay for every game. So, well... The upfront cost, of course. But, you know what? It, it makes sense for some people and not for others. So I get it. Uh, the CMA, the British Authority on Consumer Markets, the Consumer Markets Authority, <laughs> uh, tried to, during the, the FTC case of all places, get their hearing postponed, uh, their hearing via Xbox in Xbox's appeal case. It was denied. So, we're going to be hearing about the CMA stuff a lot sooner than some of us might have expected. Uh, Daedalic Entertainment has announced that they will end internal development on all games. And including their upcoming second Lord of the Ring game. If you're wondering, who the fuck is Daedalic Entertainment? Well, they're the studio that brought us that horrendous, horrendous Golem game that just released a few weeks ago. And the fact that they're using Golem or they're paying like YouTubers to promote Golem is pretty sad because even those people are going to have a hard time saying good things about that game. Uh, Tim Schafer was recently on a podcast. And uh, if you were hoping for uh, Tim Schafer, of, of course, part of the Xbox family, and he, he heads up... Um, Oh, God, what is his studio name? I don't know why I couldn't think of Double Fine. Uh, he did say, quote, I'm not working on Psychonauts 3, so don't expect Psychonauts 3. I don't know why people thought that game might come out very quickly. Look how long it took for the second one to come out. Uh, where we've also heard that Ubisoft might be making a remake of Assassin's Creed Black Flag, which would make a lot of sense given the fact that Black Flag is the reason... That they are making, uh, ignore that sound. Black Flag is the reason they are making um, Skull and Bones. Skull and Bones is built off of Assassin's Creed Black Flag. So it only makes sense that it makes sense that they would do a remake or a re release before or right after Skull and Bones comes out. Makes so much sense. Uh, Ark Survival Evolved Remaster has been delayed till October, if you're looking for that. Uh, Apple has announced that they are scaling back... <laughs> it's so funny. They are scaling back production on their Vision Pro headset. And I don't know if it's because they set a, a sales target of a million units with a cost of $3,500 fucking dollars. Or if they can't source parts, which, which again, ridiculous. Uh, but according to the Financial Times, there's a lot of production issues. And there's no cheaper version coming. Which, I just it's a joke. It is a joke overall. Uh, in court documents that came out in the Fbox, X, Fbox, the Xbox FTC case, it looks like... Microsoft seems to think that a PS5 Slim 
is coming this year. Potentially a PS5 Pro. Uh, more about the slim than anything because it's already been three years. And it would be priced at $399.99. If that's true, I don't know. But we'll see. The EA Sports FC game, which is the replacement for FIFA, since FIFA decided to charge them an outrageous amount of money to keep the FIFA name, uh, might have had its release date leaked for September 29th of this year. I think that's about the time when FIFA normally comes out, so I, I can't really say if, if this is a surprise or not. Um, but if you're looking forward to the next generation of EA soccer, football, whatever you want to call it, games, might be out in September. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, the Friday the 13th game is being delisted later this year. So the developer decided to gift everyone with some free shit. Um, I guess that's the best way to describe that, right? Free shit. Uh, <laughs> but your accounts, if you play it, will be maxed out to level 150. And you'll be granted every unlockable in the game. So this was posted on their Twitter and it says, quote, this was the best way we knew how to give you, the players, the best experience, and a heartfelt thank you as we move towards an inevitable goodbye. This was tweeted by Wes Keltner, who is the boss of Gun Interactive. Um, so if you play the game, you're going to get a lot of all the unlockables, and you'll be maxed leveled as a final send-off, if you will. Um, the Elgato Stream Deck. We'll be getting a paid app store later this year. If you guys use the Elgato Stream Deck for different things, it will be a place where you can, again, essentially upload your plugins that you may have created and sell them. It is a uh, open source platform, essentially. You can put paid products, plugins, profiles, icon packs, anything Stream Deck related. Uh, this was said by Julian Fest, general manager of Elgato, and uh, that way you guys can do more with your Stream Deck later in the year. So we'll see what happens with that. And our last bit of gaming news here is to talk about day five of the Xbox FTC case, which was essentially the, the final day, realistically. So the FTC brought up cloud concerns. They brought up Call of Duty. As always, they're trying to make it about Call of Duty, but... Let's really talk about what happened. And the best part is some of the, the, some of the best stuff came from the judge. Uh, so towards the end, it was the judge says, quote, we, we wouldn't be here if Microsoft made Call of Duty. It's the purchasing right. We don't benefit from just buying up each other. We benefit from keeping things separate and therefore incentivizing people to create themselves, unquote. She had another great, um, another great line. She says, quote, I don't understand why Sony won't make its PlayStation Plus subscription better. Unquote. <laughs> um, she called out the FTC and their arguments. Like, but what about what NVIDIA is doing? Uh, she says uh, things with other subscription services. Um, they're, they're talk she talked about different, um, different things in regards to exclusivity. Uh, one of her, I'm trying to find my her quote, and, and it was about Starfield, and it's like, well, it's because Sony does the same thing. But the best, best, best thing that came out of her mouth was, and I kid you not, this just it just blows a hole in everything. She was the FTC says, quote, we've heard about the harms to Sony, unquote. Judge Corley responds with quote. This is about the harms to the consumer, not to Sony. Let's take a break until 405, unquote. It, it really comes down to, you know, she's like, no, we're talking about the consumer. And I'm trying to see where the, you know, issue to the consumer is. It, 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 it's, it became increasingly key, clear that the FTC's case was... was like realistically falling apart. And it, it was it's really ridiculous that you know it, it's something to really think about because she's calling out all of it. And 
she's trying to figure out the situation. Obviously, the FTC, whoever was arguing the case, had no business doing it because they don't know the video game market at all. It was clear throughout the questioning. Microsoft fumbled and stumbled in a few places. I'm not going to say they ran a perfect case. They didn't. But we will find out soon because even though the decision will be handed out, I think, this week, it will be sealed, I'm sure the FTC or Microsoft will, of course, announce their, uh, what happens to them, even if the verdict is sealed, that's something they can still release on their own. So we'll, we'll know pretty soon what the, what the future is going to be and if the injunction is granted or not, but it's just, again, it was a ridiculous situation overall and the FTC looked like fools realistically. I mean, again, like I've said before, you can argue on morality you can argue on mergers on mega mergers on if if this is right or good in those senses but when it comes to harming the consumer or monopolization which they're trying to argue you just don't have a case in that particular situation there's so many other arguments that could be made and 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 they would probably be more well thought out than whatever the ftc tried to do in case last week Um, But that's it for gaming. Let's move on to television, shall we? All right, what's going on in the TV world, huh? Not a whole lot, surprisingly, given it's summertime. Well, I'm sure you wouldn't be surprised to learn that Jon Favreau had a lot to say in regards to, you know, Din Djarin not taking the Darksaber, not taking the title of Mandalore, and, of course, Bo-Katan and things like that. Well, he did come out and say that Din Djarin is not supposed to be Star Wars' Aragorn. He was speaking on the Disney Gallery, the making of Mandalorian Season 3, which they went from having multiple episodes of that to now only having like one or two a season, which is a little upsetting. But he said, quote, I think people expect Mando. He's going to change from a traveling bounty hunter to Aragorn or something, unquote. Uh, sorry, Aragorn or something, and you felt like, oh, that seems like where you're going to go with it. But if you look at the clues, it actually hopefully makes you reach the conclusion of where we went. Because if you notice from the first time Din uses the Darksaber, it's heavy for him. Even the armorer tells him that. Bo-Katan gets her hand on the Darksaber when Din Djarin's trapped, and she uses it like a fencing foil. She coveted that Darksaber so much, but without thinking, gives it back to him before he wakes up after she rescues him. And so what many may have expected to be a showdown between the two of them ends up with them both going for something very different and working together, and ultimately all of the different Mandalorian groups coming together, unquote. So, like, some people thought that, that Din would take over the title of Mandalore, which is the title of the leader of the Mandalorian people, but, but I, I don't... I never saw that. Din's not that person, right? If you've really watched, sat down and watched The Mandalorian, Din is not someone who would would do that, right? He is someone that is selfless. He he's kind of like a lone lone wolf, and that's why he goes back to bounty hunting at the end of season three. It 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 was not his his title to bear, and obviously Bo-Katan has been set up as a great leader f- for many years now, going back to Rebels. When she took over Death Watch after the, the death of, of Prey Vizsla, it, it's, it makes sense, realistically. So, I, I don't understand why all these people thought that Din would hold the mantle. And I get it, it's probably a sexism thing. And, but really, Din is better off not as Mandalore, in my opinion. And it, it benefits the show that he's not. If you are a big fan of the Warrior Nun show that was recently canceled on Netflix, well, you might be in luck because the the attempt to get the show rescued may have come to fruition. Uh, the creator of the show hinted that it might find a new home. A lot of people think it's HBO Max. We don't know yet, but that could be its new home. Uh, the Gattaca series that was going to be coming to Showtime will not be moving forward. Gattaca is a great movie, I think from the late 90s or early 2000s, great movie about, you know, genetic um, programming for like new babies and things and like eradicating disease and stuff like that. 
a comment on society as a whole. Great, great, great film. Uh, Kevin Bacon will be joining the Bondsman, where he's going to play like an undead bounty hunter. Uh, that's going to be on Amazon. Kevin Bacon getting back into TV. Netflix has announced that the uh, anime cast of One Piece will be voicing the Japanese dub version of the live action series. So that that's a that's a big win, big plus for the the live action show. Uh, and speaking of Netflix, HBO shows are now going. Some HBO shows are going to be hitting Netflix. And if you're thinking I'm joking, I'm not because I'm 1,000% serious. Uh, I'm sure if you've been on Netflix recently, you saw Issa Rae's Insecure on the platform. So this will be the first HBO show to launch under their new deal that they signed with the Warner Brothers Discovery. And this is via Deadline. Band of Brothers, The Pacific, Six Feet Under, and Ballers will all arrive on Netflix later this year as well. All great shows. Yes, even Ballers. I very much liked Ballers, but right now, uh, Insecure is the first to drop on Netflix. It is there. If you do not have Max, you can now watch it there. Anime Con was this weekend. We got a lot of news coming out of it. A new Suicide Squad anime is coming that will star Joker and Harley Quinn in like an alternate universe. It is called Suicide Squad Isekai. It is a very stylistic anime, one of those like 3D, half hand-drawn, half computer animated, um, half computer animated anime shows. Crunchyroll has acquired the rights to many new shows, including The Apothecary Diaries, The Faraway Paladin, The Lord of Rust Mountain, Goblin Slayer Season 2, The Kingdoms of Ruin, I Was Reincarnated as, as the Seventh Prince, so I can take my time perfecting my magical ability. Is that the title of a show? Are you fucking... That was so ridiculous. Um, to Be Hero X, Bottom Tier Character Tomozaki Second Stage, and Black Butler. Uh, those will all be coming within the next six months. And they also acquired the English dub to One Piece. That will be hitting Crunchyroll very shortly as the thousandth episode was premiered at Anime Con this following weekend. This past weekend, not following weekend. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Uh, Netflix also announced that Sex Education would be ending with Season 4 when it drops later this year in September. And I do want to talk about Season 3 of Secret Invasion, which is technically the halfway point. It's a, it's a mini-series. They're only doing six episodes. And holy fuck. Did we get some huge bombshells? Uh, Amelia Clark's not in this show for as long as I thought she was going to be. So, spoiler. You don't know why what I mean by that, but mini spoiler, out of context spoiler. Also, Nick Fury is apparently married. That's right. And let the is Rhodey a scroll rumors continue. Some people think, based on how the episode ended, he is. Personally, I think he's not. There's no way. That that confirms he's a scroll. Like, no. I'm, I'm fucking sorry, but no. Um, I don't know. I like the show. I know a lot of people don't. I think it's fun. I think it's it's a very spy thriller-esque. I think people are so used to shows just dropping all episodes at once that they expect things to happen a lot more quickly. And shows that are weekly and actually have a slow burn, I, I think binging has kind of ruined a lot of people's show watching experience and I I think this is a show that's going to be a slow burn and everyone's actually going to end up liking it in the end. I could end up eating my words. Don't don't get me wrong. But so far Secret Invasion is is definitely one of the best Marvel shows on Disney Plus. I'm going to say that now. I don't care what anyone thinks. That's my opinion. You guys can think I'm wrong. I'm totally fine with that. But I really think Secret Invasion is good. It is a it is similar to the Winter Soldier to me, and I think it will end up being one of the best Marvel shows. Uh, you can quote me on that and watch. I'll probably be wrong. Not gonna lie, but I, I'm gonna stake my flag right now. I'm gonna poke it in the ground. I'm gonna stake my my ground. Secret Invasion will be good, and people will turn around on it. But that's my thoughts on Secret Invasion. 
like I said, not a whole lot on television news. Let's head on over to Hollywood and talk about what's going on in the movie world, shall we? So, the talks between SAG-AFTRA and the studios has been extended. Obviously, they're not going on strike yet. Uh, they have threatened to and have voted to authorize if necessary, but their talks are still ongoing. I'm guessing the talk with the Writers Guild is still ongoing, but they're on strike. So, two different things going on. Hollywood come to Hollywood come to Hollywood could come to a full stop in the next few weeks. So keep your ears glued to Nixner News, and we'll update you on that potentially between a week and several days after that news drops. <laughs> anyway, anyway, we've learned a little bit more about Josh Trank's potential, I, I guess, you know, Boba Fett movie. Um, oh no, James Mangold, sorry, his he took over after. And he was speaking with Happy, Sad, Confused podcast. And he said, quote, At the point I was doing it, I was probably scaring the shit out of everyone. I was making much more of a borderline R-rated single planet spaghetti western. They probably would have never be able to embrace Baby Yoda if I had made that. So it didn't really belong in the world I was kind of envisioning, unquote. And <laughs> he followed up with saying, quote, In a moment of corporate realignment or whatever happened with the Han Solo movie, they just kind of, they just suddenly decided that they weren't making pictures like that, and the opportunities in streaming presented themselves. I was just listening, uh, unquote. Which, honestly, I think people would have hated a borderline R movie. Actually, I don't know. I don't know if people would have loved that or hated it even more than Solo, or whatever, whatever people feel about the book of Boba Fett, which I disagree with most of it because I very much enjoyed it. Again, going back to my slow slow burn argument, but a borderline spaghetti western Boba Fett movie, I don't know. I think people wouldn't like it mainly because it wouldn't feature Boba like going around doing bounty hunter things, right? If it was one planet, which is kind of similar to what we got with, um, with the book of Boba Fett, of course. I I, I don't know. I don't know how people would have reacted to that, but. It's a great thought experiment, that, that's for sure. But Borderline R, that would be interesting. That's like the Quentin Tarantino Star Trek movie he wants to make that would be rated R if he ever made it. Huh. Definitely a good thought experiment. Let's think about that. Let's ponder it. Let's ponder it on our orbs. Gal Gadot, who is going to be playing Cleopatra in a film from Patty Jenkins. Uh, was speaking with Vogue, of all places, and she said, quote, I'm so passionate to tell her story and to bring justice to this character and her legacy and celebrate her and her legacy. We have a beautiful script, and I cannot wait to share this story with the world and change the narrative of Cleopatra simply being a seductor, unquote. So uh, she followed up with other things. Obviously, a lot of people know Cleopatra for you know, sleeping with Mark Antony, leaving Julius Caesar, things like that. And, and in reality, me being a history major, there there is more to Cleopatra than that. She was, she was a leader of a country. She was, uh, I, I, I don't want to say conqueror because I, I can't think clearly about it right now, but Cleopatra was not just a temptress, uh, not what Hollywood would make you believe. I, I think the greatest representation we've had of Cleopatra in media so far was probably somewhat her portrayal in Assassin's Creed Origins. Um, she was uh, uh, not a tactical genius, but she was smart in, in her maneuvering, right? She probably knew that Julius Caesar's days were numbered. She That's probably why she, she got in with Mark Antony. Granted, it ended up ending badly for both of them anyway, but it could have happened the same thing if she stayed with Caesar. Let's be realistic. But no, she, she is more than a temptress, than a seductor. Gal Gadot is right. And if they, they handle that movie properly, then they could probably open more people's eyes to the truth about Cleopatra, or closer to the truth about Cleopatra than, than what might be known now. Obviously, a lot of people only know maybe the Elizabeth Taylor movie 
um, and, and base it on that. Or the most recent Netflix documentary that kind of wasn't great because it, it kind of played around with race. Um, I'm just going to be upfront with people here. Cleopatra more than likely was not black. Um, was probably white because she was from the Ptolemaic dynasty. Uh, her ancestors were Greek and not necessarily white in your traditional sense, but olive skinned, probably looking similar to a Greek person or an Italian person or uh, Southern, Southern Europe. So, but uh, it probably looked like what Gal Gadot looks like because her, her, she's Israeli, Mediterranean. Um, and yes, I know it's, it's odd hearing an Israeli playing an Egyptian person, but realistically, same region. But we'll see what happens when that film ultimately comes out. So, in a couple weeks, both Barbie and Oppenheimer come out. And if you didn't know that, I'd be kind of surprised because the, the Barbenheimer memes have taken over the internet and I am all for it. I am all for the memes, even though I'm not going to see Oppenheimer. Probably not going to watch Barbie in theaters either, but <laughs> that's... That's uh, definitely taking over the internet. I'm for it. Along with the Grimace Shake shit, but that's stupid. Um, we lost a great actor this past week. Alan Arkin passed away at the age of 89. Down the street from me as well, apparently. He lived in Carlsbad. But uh, Alan Arkin is a great actor. I loved him in Little Miss Sunshine. I enjoyed him more than anything in Argo. Uh, he's been in a lot of other things. The Kaminsky Method, if you watch that show on Netflix. But Alan Arkin, great comedic actor, uh, was lost. Uh, he, he died of, of natural causes this past weekend. Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny has raced to a $60 million weekend in the United States, underperforming, as many expected, uh, and to a $70 million international for a grand total of $130 million total worldwide. Not bad, not good. Um, underperforming in the U.S., of course. But we'll see what word of mouth can do for the film. As its rating, uh, its rotten score, and its its user score have actually risen uh, on the platform. I've not looked at its Metacritic score, though. Um, I'm wondering... The user score is, is a lot better than I thought. Uh, so, oh, it's bad on Metacritic. I don't know what's going on with Metacritic anymore. There's a lot of negative reviews. Um, I, these people, I don't know. This is strange, these reviews. But anyway, I'll talk about my review in just a little bit. Uh, Greta Gerwig, who, of course, just helmed Barbie, and which is about to release has now been tapped by Netflix to write and direct two Narnia films. So yeah, this is via The New Yorker. She'll helm two Narnia movies for Netflix as part of their plan to reboot the series via movies and shows. And they had signed a deal with the C.S. Lewis Company in October of 2018. Matthew Aldrich is the creative architect, quote-unquote. So... It looks like uh, Mark Gordon, Douglas Gresham, and Vincent Cyber are also working as executive producers. And while there was originally going to be a fourth movie in the Disney-led franchise, it looks like uh, it's going to be now completely rebooted with Greta Gerwig handling it. So I'm sure depending on how people react to uh, uh, Barbie will be if how people might react to her helming The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Uh, Simon Pegg says... Nobody wants Shaun of the Dead 2. Um, he, he was quoted saying with The Guardian, if I ever do an Instagram Live or whatever, people are always like, I need Shaun of the Dead 2 in my life, he revealed. And I'm like, no, you, fucking need, you don't fucking need Shaun of the Dead 2. The last thing you need is Shaun of the Dead 2. It's done. Move on. Um, unquote. And then it, it's very interesting he was uh, speaking with, where was he talking about that? In an Instagram post, he hinted at potentially maybe doing another film with, um, with Edgar Wright and Nick Frost, a potential fourth Cornetto film. Is there even a fourth Cornetto flavor? Who knows? 
but I would take a fourth film with all of them together again. Uh, Barbie has been banned in Vietnam for the most ridiculous reason ever, and it has to do with the South China Sea. In the most recent trailer, they showed a map of the world, apparently, and it included what is called the Nine Dash Line, which is a disputed territorial marking uh, in regards to China and several countries in the South China Sea, Vietnam being one, the Philippines being another. Uh, obviously, this was an appeasement to China, which I don't agree with ever, really. And the Hollywood has kind of been moving that way in general, and it's getting very frustrating. But because of that, Barbie has now been banned in Vietnam because they see it as an attack on their sovereignty. And I'm with them. I'm honestly with them in that regard. I get it. I don't know why that's, that stuff is even in the movie. doesn't make sense. does not make sense. I would not expect uh, Greta Gerwig to kowtow like that. But then again, wait, Barbie's not even big in China. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Stop asking Russell Crowe about Gladiator 2. He has no idea about anything about the movie. He's not in it, and he's not being paid. So he doesn't have any answers for you, so stop asking him. <laughs> Obviously, who would ask Russell Crowe about Gladiator 2? Like, he died in the first one. Why would he be back? Wouldn't make sense. Um, how about this? Did you guys know that Speed was originally pitched as a Beverly Hills 3 uh, script? So, on the 50 Miles Per Hour podcast, which I guess that's a podcast about Speed. I, I don't know. Uh, Paramount, Former Paramount Vice President of Production, Don Granger said, quote, I really wanted to try and mount the movie, and my last-ditch effort was a, I pitched it at our chairman's lunch as a possible script for Beverly Hills Cop 3. They probably thought it was kind of a goofy idea. You know, when you think about the idea of a bus, if you drop below 50, the bus is going to blow up. That could be really silly, you know? And I think that ultimately the thing that made it kind of silly was the thing that made it terrific, unquote. Now, obviously... Uh, he goes on to talk about it more if you guys want to listen. If that was a Beverly Hills Cop movie, I, I don't know how that would have worked with Axel, to be honest. I don't know. Could have been fun. Could have been not. Um, Daniel Kaluuya has confirmed that his Barney movie will be for adults, which uh, he speak again, with The New Yorker. And uh, Mattel executive Kevin McKeon revealed that, uh, quote, we're leaning into the millennial angst of the property rather than the fine-tuning this for kids. It really, It's really a play for adults. Not that it's R-rated, but it'll focus on some of the trials and tribulations of being 30-something, growing up with Barney, just the level of disenchantment, disenchantment within the generation. It'll be surrealistic, unquote. Now, that's interesting, actually. That, that could work. That, that might actually work. I think that'd be good. Uh, we also learned more about the J.J. Abrams-led Hot Wheels movie. Um, again, with The New Yorker, uh, because they went to Mattel. I think Mattel must own... Mattel owns Barbie. They own Hot Wheels. They must own, I guess, uh, Barney as well. But uh, he said, quote... For a long time, we were talking to Mattel about Hot Wheels, and we couldn't quite find the thing that clicked. That made it worthy of what Hot Wheels, that title, deserved. Then we came up with something emotional and grounded and gritty. Oh, God. Oh, God, it's going to be terrible. How do you make a emotional, grounded, and gritty Hot Wheels movie? Like, what? No. I'm sorry. No. Just no. It, it Unless it's like a dude... Making like one of the crazy ass cars, one of the Hot Wheels cars, and then like, which they have like a show of, and then they take it on like a big orange raceway. No, uh uh, I'm sorry. Nope. New way. Mm mm. A little bit more news before we talk about Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Well, that movie Citadel that released on Amazon recently, starring um, Richard Madden and Priyanka Chopra. Apparently, it was a big bust for Amazon. It cost him $250 to make, and I guess no one watched it. Uh, via Bloomberg, that uh, it said, quote, No show illustrates Amazon's liberal spending better than Citadel, a global spy thriller that cost more than $250 million 
for one season. Oh, it was a TV show? I thought it was a movie, unquote. Um, like I said, it's one of the most expensive shows. I guess this should have been in the new TV news. Forgot it was a show, not a movie. It failed to, uh, it didn't even enter top 10 most watched streaming shows in the U.S. in any week since its debut. Um, yeah. Barbecue Showdown did better, which Barbecue Showdown's a great show. That's pretty sad. I'm not going to talk about that too much because it's not a movie. Anyway, uh, before we talk about Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, which will be a spoiler-filled review, uh, it looks like the singular Magic the Gathering's One Ring, the special, special, special edition that, like I said, only had one version of it made, has been found, and it currently has a bounty of $2 million via the gamer. Somehow some guy already got it graded, by PSA as well, which I don't even know how they did that because PSA is a huge backlog. But it, it's uh, a $2 million. It received a Mint 9 grading, which is the second highest authentication. Jesus Christ, I can't talk. Um, I don't know how it didn't get a 10, but... Oh, yeah, true. 10 is nearly impossible to get. But somehow it was already found, and it will be the most valuable Magic the Gathering card if that $2 million sale is goes through. So good luck uh, finding the other versions because you can't get the most expensive one anymore. Um, so if you guys like the show, thanks for listening. Week in, week out. Come back next week or stick around for the Indiana Jones in the Dial of Destiny review, which will be starting very, very shortly. Okay, I really enjoyed Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. It is definitely better than Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which I did last week, and it, which, again, that movie's not as bad as the internet would want you to believe. Uh, they're both better, and I'm going to die on this hill, they're both better than Temple of Doom. Um, but in, in terms of where I rank it, it's definitely, I would have Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, wait, no. I do like Raiders, but no, sorry. The Last Crusade is my number one, then Raiders, and then, uh, then I would have Dial of Destiny, then I would have, uh, uh, Crystal Skull, and then Temple of Doom. Yeah, I said it, Temple of Doom's the worst one. But, no, I very much enjoyed Dial of Destiny. Yes, it's it's grumpy old indie. Um, makes sense, right? The man's 80. The character dies with him, he's said on multiple occasions, I think. But I very much enjoyed Dial of Destiny. The story's great. Um, other than the fact that a friend of mine that I went with was talking the whole movie. You know who you are. But, um, no, I enjoyed it a lot. And... A lot of people hate Phoebe Waller-Bridge's character, and I think you're supposed to hate her. I think people are, like, going, oh, woke, woke, woke. I'm like, no, no, I'm pretty sure you're supposed to hate her for most of the movie because she's a shitty character in terms of things she does. Not She's not shitty, shittily written. She's actually written quite well. Um, I, I think people have forgotten how movie characters work because we're so used to Marvel. But, no, she is a character that has, has actual growth. Um, Sala is back in a limited capacity, unfortunately, but it, it really fits a story that would take place in 1916, excuse me, 1969 after the moon landing, right? And a lot of people are calling out the fantasticalness. It's like, have you forgotten that like literally God exists in the Indiana Jones franchise? Have you forgotten that like Hindu gods exist? In the Indiana Jones franchise and aliens, well, I don't know if they're aliens or they call them interdimensional beings. Anyway, like, people, time travel is totally within the realm of possibility in Indiana Jones. Completely. I, I think people have forgotten that along the way. And, and so, I'm, yeah, I'm letting it out early. There's, there's time travel in this movie. But it makes sense. It, it's a fixed point in time. Um... It, it, it's not like Endgame stuff where you can kind of go back and change things. It is, it is, it's one of those, as I saw someone else point out, I think it was New Rockstars, 
It's like this is one of those fixed point in time where it is always meant to happen and it doesn't necessarily change the course of history per se, right? Like it is something that's always on the 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 time space continuum, whatever you want to call that thing. But the 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 MacGuffin in this is the um and oh, I already forgot the name of the damn thing. It's based on a real thing that was found in the Aegean Sea, the Antikythera, which is a, a, me a mechanism. It is actually something that was found, and it was essentially a computer built thousands of years before computers would eventually be built. It's an analog computer. Don't, don't get it twisted. But uh, it, it, the Antikythera is, is based on a real device. But the, the one thing I don't like about the film is the introduction of Toby Jones's character, who obviously Indy met during the war, right? Because the film takes starts two years after, or it either starts two years after The Last Crusade or 1939. I think it's 1939. So the war's begun. Indy's officially working for the U.S. government. But it, it's very fun, the opening. I, the CGI, not the best. It's fine. It's all at night. The facial mapping with Young Indy was not terrible. It's actually some of the best I've seen in a while, but that's because they have a lot of, of Harrison Ford to go off of. Uh, it, it was broken in a few places, but it was very, very good most of the time. Um, it, it's just obvious that Harrison's a lot older when he speaks, so they, they didn't necessarily fix up the voice. Um, it was fun to see Indiana Jones fighting the Nazis again because it was weird watching him fight the Soviet Union in Crystal Skull. But it, it makes sense, right, in terms of obviously a paper Operation Paperclip scientist would amass a lot of fanfare and potentially uh, uh, a cult following, much like the real Werner von Braun. Uh, pa Operation Paperclip brought over Nazi scientists to the U.S. They helped the space race. Some things obviously don't make sense, but it's a movie. I mean... Suspend disbelief, right? For for quite a while. It's a, it's a movie. It's fine. It's okay. Uh, but somehow the CIA gets involved. And it's fun, though. There is a lot of fun things in the movie. Uh, I do like the chase scenes in the film, especially the ones when they're in Tangiers on the tuk-tuk, which reminded me a lot of the game Stuntman because there's a whole stuff with a tuk-tuk in Stuntman. And I was like, ooh, finally... The stuff from this video game happens in a movie. It's great. It's great to see. But, no, it, it's a fun movie. And it, it, it harkens back to some old indie. Some reviews are saying it's not. It's like, no, I, I don't know if they just went in trying to hate the movie. Um, like I said, I went in with an open mind. I had fun. It, it has a fun story in regards to, like, ancient Greece and things like that. And it, it is befitting of Indiana Jones as his final adventure as an old man. Uh, we get in, insight into what happened to to Shia LaBeouf's character, which I think everybody knew was coming. Um, but no, it's it's a fun movie. Like go in with an open mind, and you'll realize it is a great send off to Indiana Jones. No, Phoebe Waller Bridge is not taking over the mantle, despite what some stupid ass clickbait shit you might read on the internet. Um, she is not a worthy. Don't get me wrong. Phoebe Waller-Bridge is a great actress and a great writer. But she's not taking the title or mantle of Indiana Jones. Okay? It, it will end with, with Harrison Ford. And that's fine. Because it ended on a high note. And realistically, that's all you can ask for. And that might be recency bias. I, you know, but I, I enjoyed the film a lot. And it was, it, was, it was a fun romp. And it reminded me of old adventure serials to a, to a point. Um, you, you can't make like the Indiana Jones movies of, of the eighties today, right? Because, and I saw this posted somewhere, those movies are meant to evoke serials of the thirties and forties, which is when those take place, right? Obviously now you have to evoke somewhat kind of those action movies of the fifties and sixties. And it, it kind of did that. And I think, I think that's where the issue is where, where people and I talked about this last week about Crystal Skull. And I think this is probably where the issue people are having. They're expecting it to evoke movies of the 30s and 40s 
like the old Indiana Jones movies did. But in and that's a product of Steven Spielberg, right? But in reality, this is James Mangold making a movie based on things he grew up with, and I think that fit, it fit that genre more than I think people were expecting. And I can maybe see that's where people have an issue with it. I I think it's perfect. Um, it's not a perfect film, but it's it's a perfect representation of that idea. And like I said, I had fun, left with a happy face. Similar to the Rise of Skywalker. Yes, Rise of Skywalker wasn't great, but I didn't walk out sad. I didn't walk out angry. Um, I walked out enjoying the film and actually very much wanting to watch it again. So, I enjoyed Dial of Destiny. You guys might not. That's okay. That's up to you. I would give it a 7.5 out of 10 uh, as my rating. But... Thank you guys for listening. That is it for Nixner News. I will catch you guys next week. Follow us on socials, including the new Threads app by Meta. Uh, also on TikTok at the Nick DeFalco. But uh, I will catch you guys in a week. Have a great one. Thank you.